And our spot on the map this morning is a little town in South Australia, but it boasts one of the biggest, best and most unusual collections in Australia. And it's also the host of one of our leading fishing competitions. We are talking about Spalding in South Australia, where Peter Gill has lived and worked as a farmer for all his life. Peter, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Rod. Now let's start with the where. Where exactly is Spalding? Well, it's about 170 k's north of Adelaide. Yep. Um, straight north in pretty well farming country. Um, the closest big area, I suppose, is the Clare Valley, which is only 40-odd k's away. And how many people live in Spalding? Well, these days I reckon it's around 300, perhaps a few less, but uh, that's about the figure. And is that the the peak of Spalding's oh, no. population? When was the boom time for well, Spalding? Probably back in the 1920s and 30s. Uh, I was just looking through some old figures a while ago and I realised then that there were uh, it was a big town then. We had three greengrocers and four churches and a couple of butchers, a uh, couple of mechanics or blacksmiths and... Uh, so it was a yeah, it was quite a busy little country town then. So what happened? Why was well, it so big in the twenties? There's there's two or three changes, I guess. Uh, uh, certainly, the farming change has been uh, the big one. Farms are so much bigger these days, and as a consequence, there's less labour required. Mm-hmm. The uh, boom times for spoiling probably were in that early 1900s when. There were uh, a couple of major works going on in this area. The uh, uh, Bundalee Reservoir is uh, in this district and they, the building of that and building the dam for that was quite a big job. And then they uh, put in the Morgan Whaler pipelines. Both of those went past, straight past Spalding and once again there were work camps that were established uh, around Spalding so that... That gave a bit of a boost to the town with the people and the workers. About the farmers, I was just thinking the other day about it. When I came home from school in the late 50s, um, there were eight farms that joined our farm, and those farms have all disappeared into other hands these days, and so that, that eight farms became really, in effect, one farm. So it's been a huge change in the way... Uh, land has been worked and owned. So in those days, eight local families all owning and working those farms. And depending on that land, yes. That's right. These days, who owns those farms? Well, it would be a a bigger local farmer who's just expanded over the years. All right. And as a consequence, uh, because of the size of the equipment and the quality of the equipment and the methods they use, there's nowhere near the amount of labour required. Yeah to run those farms so that, that's how those farmers survive they get bigger and keep up with the, the whole business so what kind of farms are we talking about here we're talking cereals and mostly cereals but cereals and and uh, wool we would usually say so sheep wheat basically yeah that's right yep. okay and you grew up and live on one of these farms that's right and have done for pretty much all your life yeah i was i was born and raised here and uh, been here on the farm all my life. And seen a hell of a lot of changes, as you have uh, outlined. So is it a good place to live, Peter? Wonderful place to live, no doubt about it. Well, I was thinking about that a little while ago, and I think it's more to do with a sense of community than anything else. Right. You know that old story about how it takes a village to raise a child? Well, that's exactly so in a place like this where... 
you'd think, well, there's not much employment opportunity, uh, and that's certainly true, but uh, there's a great community spirit, and uh, we grow some wonderful kids here. They grow up with great background, and they're sensible, well-raised kids, and they go on and get on into good jobs. Not Just not getting the jobs close handy here, that's, yeah. that's the problem. So that really one of the great exports of Spalding is your children. Oh, that's true. That's certainly true, and I think that's true of a lot of country towns, not just a little one like ours. Yeah, of course. And I presume they go away to school. Is that what you did as well? Well, I did, but not everybody has to do that. Uh, I went to college in Adelaide for a number of years, but uh, there's great systems now with uh, high schools and buses and so on, and that wasn't available in my time, so... Yeah, Clare High School is the closest high school here. We're surrounded by really good schools, and they produce some great kids. Okay, what about primary schools? Is there a primary school in Spalding? It still survives here in Spalding, How many kids do you reckon in uh, Spalding Primary? Uh, I think it's around 30. Now, uh, when I was at school in the same town, there were over 100 uh, going to school there in two different schools. And so when you're talking about 300 people, are you talking about in the town or in the district as well? Well, that would be the town, I think. And what about beyond that in the district? A couple of hundred extras, I suppose, would count the town as their their town. So you've got, you know, maybe a tenth of the town in the school, although then many of those kids (laughs) come from around about, you hope. That's true. The farmers breed quite well. (laughs) I'll leave that up to you, Peter. Peter Gill is our guest in Spalding in South Australia, in the southern part of South Australia. How far from the coast would you be if you went directly west? About uh, 60 miles now. What's that, 100-odd k's? Yeah, Kadena Wallaroo Way would be uh, the closest for us. And is that something that a lot of people do? Is it oh, something some, you can go swimming or fishing? Yeah, some, some do, that's for sure. Uh, we're on a... Uh, a main east-west road here, funnily enough, the road from Sydney to Perth goes uh, here through Spalding, and I'm amazed at the number of vehicles we see, interstate vehicles coming through here all the time. And so it's not all one-way traffic to the coast. Mm-hmm. Some people go from here to the river as well at Morgan, yeah. and that's a great, uh, great spot as well. So hang on, if people are driving the full width of the continent from Sydney to Perth, if they go that way, they go through Spalding? Well, almost certainly. There are other ways, but yeah. that's that's the big truckies come through here, and that's always a pretty fair indication. It is indeed. And so uh, are there plenty of places if they wanted to stop for something to drink or something to eat, somewhere to stay? Something like that, yes. The, the uh, uh, little shop that we've still got in the town does quite a business with people like that going through. But yes, I'm amazed at the amount of caravans and tourist-type traffic that you see go through here. Yeah, the grey nomads. Yeah, that's right. There's plenty of those around. Have you ever been tempted to do that, Peter? <laughs> Not with a caravan, no. no? <laughs> you don't want to see the rest of Australia? Oh, I'd love to see Australia, yes. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, there are other other considerations. Indeed, and that's something what people need to think about when they talk about farmers. You can't really take a holiday, you can you? Well, you can't just clear off and leave it, that's right. Mm. Now, one thing I do know, though, about one of the pubs in Spalding is this infamous collection of barbed wire. (laughs) Tell me about the barbed wire pub and the whole collection. (laughs) Well, a bit of background. First of all, uh, my grandparents used to own the pub. uh, What is the pub? uh, Uh, Well, it's just the Spalding Hotel, but it's called the barbed wire pub these days because Mm -hmm. the the local owner has 
uh, made a collection of all different sorts of barbed wire from uh, the uh, settlement times right through until now. Amazing range of barbed wire has been developed over the years and he's collected a lot of those and bought some in that uh, other people have collected. And it's just a bit of a feature of the pub. So when you go into the pub and you have a cold one, uh, there's what, all the barbed wire all over the place? Yeah, it's all over the place. It's uh, identified and you can work out where it was made and when and that sort of thing. So if you've got this, it's not really what you'd consider a, a highlight of the town. But Really? It's, 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 it certainly it's, sounds like a highlight to me, Peter. <laughs> it, it does create some interest, I can tell you. Yes, because, look, I'm sure Spalding has a lot of um, tourist attractions, but I reckon this has got to be unique, surely. <laughs> well, it's the only one I know of, and uh, it is a great collection of barbed wire, and even if you're not particularly interested in uh, in looking at it, it uh, it's a hist- of historical interest for sure. So some of them are framed on the wall? Yep. Uh, along with some beer coasters, from what I can gather. A bit, a bit of that, yeah. There is a uh, barbed wire pub, spalding.com.au, if people want to look at this. <laughs> uh, and do people contribute, you know, if they find and go overseas or go around Australia and find some unusual barbed wire, they'll bring it back to the pub? I think that's how some of it has come about. Uh, I know one of the collections that's now in there was developed in that way. The fellow uh, made requests to various people and they sent him uh, samples to... Uh, to go in there. Okay. You can also have a, a meal at that pub, and I've got to tell you, that menu looks pretty good to me. Well, I can assure you that it is good, having been there pretty regularly myself. Although I'm worried, Peter. I think you might be going soft. They've got a gourmet vegetarian pizza with a gluten-free base. Come on. <laughs> I haven't heard about that oh, one. Really? No, not all that interesting, that one, right? Oh, well, you've got a kangaroo mignon with red wine and a quang dong glaze. That sounds more like me. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought a porterhouse steak or a rump steak with your choice of sauce. That sounds like what happens at the Barbed Wire Pub in Spalding. Um, and that's what we're talking about this morning, Spalding in South Australia. Let's go back, shall we, to the start. Why did people move to Spalding or the area that was Spalding? Well, I think uh, in the 1850s, uh, perhaps a little bit before that, it was uh, very much a pastoral area, so it was... Uh, matter of big stations Uh, there are a number of those big stations around here huge properties they were but then in the 1870s and 80s uh, closer settlement came around they uh, broke those big properties up into smaller places so that uh, farmers could take them up and of course as soon as you get farmers in an area they need uh, supplies and so on so I guess the town grew up with that in mind that uh, uh, supplying local farmers the railway line came here uh, in the 20s, and that was really to, uh, I guess, cart stock and uh, supplies, uh, fertiliser and cart grain away, and that that was very important for some time. I was thinking back the other day, they used, because Spalding was a terminus for the railway line, we used to have uh, between eight and ten workers there all the time. Well, because when the railway line closed down, you lose all those workers immediately, and that's the sort of change that's happened over time. Certainly yeah. the production of grain and so on has gone up, but the storage of those and cartage of the, the grain has changed dramatically, and so the little local storages are nowhere near as important now as they used to be. 
What about before the arrival of white settlement? Uh, was there an Indigenous presence in the area? Well, yes. I don't think a lot is known about that, but uh, some of the old uh, paintings that I've seen that uh, refer back to those really early days certainly show uh, uh, Indigenous settlement and uh, some of the people, but they certainly weren't a, a, a major presence around here. I guess the shortage of water probably yeah. was one of those uh, yes, indeed. issues. Now, speaking of water, the reservoir, the Bundalia Reservoir, built in the late 1800s, early 1900s, has a pretty rich history itself, hasn't it? Uh, it's a remarkable construction and tragic one. Yes, that's right. The, uh, I guess uh, building sites I've got have always got a, a history of some sort, but yes, there were uh, either one or two lives lost there during the, the building of that, but it's a major works, and the, the channel system that supplies it is also... Uh, rather remarkable. How did it change the town as well, having that? That access to uh, water well, too? The water really didn't supply our town at all, even though it's quite close to the, the oh, town. Right. It was built as a storage for another area um, and uh, eventually things changed there as well and that uh, reservoir is no longer used for, uh, for water supply anyway. They're talking about opening it up for uh, recreational use, which we've been urging for yeah. many years. Like water skiing and things like that? Uh, well, maybe, but fishing, fishing certainly. Yeah, okay. uh, we haven't got the final word on it, but we are told that they are getting close to allowing uh, fishing to happen there, which okay. will be a big boost to it. It would be a big boost to the pub too, which I know has got a seafood platter on the yeah. menu. <laughs> which looks like a pretty good one, Peter. Um, how far from the town, though, is the reservoir? Okay. I was reading that yeah, people died during the uh, construction of it and 51 of the men who were building it were taken to a local hospital with typhoid fever. Yes, I guess uh, I've seen some pictures of the camps that were built, you know, and they were just tents all in a heap and uh, yeah, something like that started up, it would certainly go through the area pretty quickly. Indeed, yeah. uh, yes, on a work camp site like that. Peter Gill is our guest in Spalding in South Australia on Spot on the in Spot on the Map this morning with Rod Quinn on ABC Local Radio. Now, you had a train line go through at one point. We did. They pressed very hard to get a, the rail extended from a town called Riverton to uh, to come up to Clare in the uh, oh, the early 1900s. And at, uh, the locals here urged the government to uh, extend the line to help the uh, grain producers up this way and it, it opened in 1921 to uh, Spalding. It was supposed to originally go through to, to Jamestown where it would have joined that major line going across the country there but they stopped at Spalding, ran out of money and uh, so it became the terminus. Uh, it was very important for a long time. When I was young there were certainly uh, daily trains on it, passenger service to Adelaide each day. Uh, nowadays it's, it's closed down and it's, walking trail these days. Oh, this is the Hyson Trail? That's right, yeah. And so where does that start and finish? Because I know it goes straight through the town. Yeah, it does. Uh, it actually finishes up in the Flinders Ranges, but it comes from right down on the Fleury Peninsula. Okay. And uh, we're just part of it in this area. So, Lovely area to walk. It's beautiful area. I'm sure 1,200 kilometres, I think it goes. It's a long, long, takes you a while. Do you know if anyone's done the whole thing? Oh, I'm sure there's a few. We... Uh, 
we see walking parties around here at various times. A lot of people will just come and walk a part of it one month or one year and then come back another time and do another section of it. Okay, so they do the whole thing eventually, but eventually, just not yeah. in one go. So okay. if people are walking along that trail near Spalding, what will they see? Is there bird life? Is there Are there wildlife? Are there flowers, wildflowers? I would think all of the above. There's not a lot of traffic on that section so there's no uh, no disturbance so if there's any wildlife about there's certainly plenty of kangaroos in this area now which is something that's different from yeah many years ago is that a bad thing no not at all no uh, certainly uh, yeah we see them pretty regularly down in this country now okay i'm i'm of the opinion that they came down in one of the droughts yes a long time ago and have settled in and pretty comfortable as soon as they find some water they'll stay indeed yeah now, you also have some pretty big annual events, the fly fishing competition. That's remarkable, isn't it, when you think of how there's so little water here, but there's a river that runs through this area called the Broughton and uh, has some wonderful pools on it. And one of the local organisations decided years ago to put some fingerlings in there, and so there's, there's quite a number of fish in there. They try to concentrate on catch and release, but then they've, uh, in recent times, developed around the Australian Fly Fishing Championships, which happens wow. around here. Which Australian Championships? Indeed. Yeah, they come from all over the country to have a go. And what do they catch? Well, uh, <laughs> some of them don't catch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you should have seen the one that got away, Peter. Well, that's a fishing, not catching. <laughs> no, I think there, uh, there's uh, a few trout and they... They put in some that aren't uh, uh, native ones as well, the fingerlings that they that they yeah, put in. That's amazing. All right, so just part of the excitement in Spalding in South Australia. Now, it's an unusual name. I associate it with uh, sporting goods. So where did Spalding get its name? I think it's after a town that uh, uh, somebody came from uh, in England called Spalding. It's in Lincolnshire. Right. And uh, I'm not sure who was the... The person that came, but uh, I think that's how it got its name. So named after a town somewhere in England, in Lincolnshire. We, we think it's Lincolnshire. Mm, we that, are yeah. amused at the business about uh, the sports goods because you yeah. could always say, well, that's where all the, the good tennis rackets are made. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Some people Bas- believed it. <laughs> Basketballs and all sorts of things like that. Now, you're also in the Federal Electorate of Grey, which takes up most of the state of South Australia. It's an interesting one because unlike many um, rural areas, regional areas like uh, you would find with Spalding, it has kind of gone backwards and forwards between Labor and Liberal for really the last, you know, 70, 80 years. It has, yes. We're we're right on the bottom end of the electorate and uh, it includes some some pretty big places like Perry and Port Augusta so on and uh, yeah it is an unusual electorate though because it's so so big I think it's bigger than a lot of states in the US and Rowan Ramsey is your current uh, local member member. is he going to get returned do you think (laughs) well there's a bit of doubt about that he's certainly been a strong member for the area but uh, with the uh, preference situation these days nothing certain is it Oh, well, I'm not going to ask you how you're going to vote, uh, Peter. I don't know that. <laughs> but obviously, um, yes, uh, all of this, the electorates, it seems, in South Australia are up for grabs at the moment. Yeah. 
and uh, you never know what's going to happen. But Rowan Ramsey has been in for nearly 10 years, since 2007. Yeah. So he was a, a Liberal elected at the time that Kevin Rudd was elected. And uh, that's an interesting uh, development. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, he probably uh, got some benefit from the previous member there, whose name I can't think of. Barry Wakeland. Barry Wakeland, yes. Yeah. He was a really strong member and uh, did a great job here okay. for many years. Now, look, they're very uh, proud of the Wakeland family in other parts of South Australia. Um, so what about in um, in your beautiful part of the world, in Spalding? Have you had any well-known people come from Spalding or maybe pass through Spalding at any time? <laughs> well, I couldn't swear to the, the ones passing through, but uh, no, I can't think of anyone from here who's really? been a, a Prime Minister or even a... <laughs> There's been a few of those, but yeah. I wouldn't say they were known on a national okay. on a national scene. Is there a local team or a cricket team there in is, Spalding? Yeah, I was just thinking this morning, well, when my father grew up there were three teams in Spalding and when I played there was just the one. These days, uh, we've amalgamated with two other towns oh, that uh, uh the distance to uh, get enough people to make one team, and that's yeah. uh, symptomatic of what's happened in country areas, I suppose. Right. So what's the name of the team? Uh, it's called BSR, which stands for Brinkworth Spalding Red Hill. And what's the nickname? Well, I think they just call themselves the Tigers. The Tigers? And they play in the uh, Golden Black? The, they do, yes. Okay. Yes. Well... If someone was coming to Spalding, was maybe stopping on their way across the nation or driving up from Adelaide, what would you recommend they uh, do or see in the area? Well, I, I guess one of the prettiest things in the in the area is the uh, railway bridge that we've got, which is almost adjacent to the town, only a mile or so out of the town. The beautiful old stone and concrete uh, bridge, which used to carry the railway line across the Broughton River. All right. It's got five arches, most unusual-looking uh, really? bridge, and that's that's quite a sight. I guess the the channel system and the reservoir are probably the other right. things if you're the slightest bit interested in engineering. <laughs> okay. But uh, we're building a new sports centre here in the town, which is good news for a little town like ours. A lot of local money has gone into that, and they'll have a, a joint club rooms now for the, okay. at the Oval. For what, for the football and netball or cricket? That's right, all of those. Yeah, yeah. The strong clubs here in the town are probably the, the bowls club right. and the uh, swimming pool. They're the two things that okay. are really good. Get very hot in summer it there? Does. Yes, yeah. yeah, pretty warm. And cold in winter? Yep, yeah, we had a frost here a couple of days ago. I suppose it doesn't really get cold compared with some areas, but it's cold for us. All right. Look, it sounds like a wonderful place uh, to live. And, uh, Peter, thank you so much for telling us about Spalding. Thank you, Rod. Thanks for your interest. And that was Peter Gill, long-time farmer in Spalding in South Australia, our spot on the map this morning.